0: Chocolate orange, because tonight is the semicircle. We're in the middle of a series um, of shapes. Um, we've done Toblerones, which is the triangle, but added on to other triangles. So that was talking about being up to God, into each other, out to the world, and of belonging to the worldwide church through history and through the world. And then we talked about the square, which is D1, D2, D2. D3. Um, which is basically the dynamics of anything that happens so you have the well hey it's all new I have no idea what's going on oh it's all going horribly wrong I hate it it's terrible let's give up it's alright I know what I'm doing I'm beginning to get confident about this oh it's all a bit boring it's time to change summed up uh, and then we went on to do the circle and we talked about Kairos and God getting your attention and how does God get our attention and what do we do when God gets our attention And tonight, we're talking about semicircle. It's a bit of a cheat calling it the semicircle. It'd be better to call it metronome or, um, um, what do you call it, pendulum. That's the word. We're doing a pendulum tonight. So, uh, you, you can all practice doing your pendulum swing, please. All do a pendulum swing. Thank you. Yeah, you can do a tiny one or a big one. That's great. We all know what a pendulum is. That's great. I'm one of the most fortunate people alive at this moment in time. Um, I've just spent a week by the sea. Now, I know that I'm a sea person. I'm a man who needs to get near the sea. To recreate myself, to allow God to input to me without me having to strive. I just need to be near the sea. I grew up near the sea. It's just where I am most comfortable. I'd be very happy to go and live somewhere overlooking the cornish coast the Pembrokeshire coast watching the rough waves in the really bad weather walking along the beach in a four six with the rain coming at you sideways <laughs> that me a my idea of bliss show me a mountain and i yawn oh god that's so tedious you gotta climb up what's the point of climbing up you've only got to come down again Whereas, you know, to some people in this room, I know that's hugely offensive, so I apologise. But you're made for mountains and I'm not. Then other people just like to sit and look at the vista. And look at God's creation and the plain and how the hills roll and how it's just perfectly created. And they can just sit and drink it in. And then other people need to be in that urban environment, that busy city with, with all of the, the people and the buildings and the, the, the amazing geometries and non-geometries all combined together. And in my time next to the sea, I was extraordinarily fortunate because I went at spring tide. Didn't know it was going to be spring tide. And I got to see the car park flooded and I got to see the road flooded. And I got to see four times the sea coming in and going away leaving all this flotsam and jetsam everywhere and then coming back in and then going away and then by the end of the week it was only coming a third of the way up the beach compared to where it had been there's this is natural rhythm to life this rhythm that we live in God, God, is, God is such an artist he must be a musician he invented rhythm as well as inventing music God's got to be a musician he's definitely an artist and the thing about Christianity, the thing that we're, this, is why, this is my favourite part of Life Shapes. If you grasp hold of this and you remember it, and I keep forgetting it, and I have to keep reminding myself, your life is going to be transformed. It's brilliant. I love teaching this one. It's all about rhythm and getting into God's rhythm. I mean, what's the reality? You become a Christian, you go to church, and what happens? Get given a job. So what happens? You're now a busy person with an extra job. And then you get that job done. So you can get jobs done. So what happens then? Get given another job. So you become a busy Christian and you've got two or three jobs. And four jobs. And how's that different to the world? It's not. We become, Christi- we become human doings rather than human beings. So let's start at the beginning. What happened right at the beginning? We've got creation, haven't we? So what started the creation? Come on, let's, you can, this is interactive. I don't have to do all the talking. What happened in creation? Where do we start? God created, yeah. He got his Play-Doh out and started. Switch the lights on, and then switch the lights off. And yeah, no. So what's the order? Come on, oh dear. This is like pulling teeth tonight. So we start with day one, which was light dark. Day two. Earth. Forming the earth. Separating the earth. Day three. Tell you what, shall we get the Bibles out and have a look? (laughs) I know, a bit loud. So, let's start at the very beginning. I'll read out of the church Bibles you need a Bible, they're just under one of the many seats. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the first day. See, the earth was already there. And then the second day, he said, Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate the water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. And God called the expanse sky. And then there was evening. And then there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky gather into one place and let the dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land. And the gathered waters he called to sea. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let's land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees and on the land that bear fruit with seeds in it according to their various kinds. And it was so the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And then there was evening and there was morning on the third day. And then God said, let there be light in the expanses of the sky to separate the day from the night let them serve as signs to mark the seasons, days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give them Give light to the earth, to give them the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And then there was evening, and then there was morning, the fourth day. Can you see there's a rhythm already? God's doing a different thing every day, and in the things that he's doing, he's creating a rhythm within them. So that whole fourth day, he's talking about creating them a rhythm. Day, night, style, things to mark the seasons, to mark the days. Let's carry on. God said let the water team with living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing with which their water teemed, and according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind and God saw it was good God blessed them and said be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase on the earth and there was evening and there was morning the fifth day fruitfulness was introduced and God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us, make a man, sorry, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock all over the earth, and all over the... Cr- and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fishes of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, and they will be yours for food and... And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw that all he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning and the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because it hit. on it he had rested from all of the work of creating that he had done. So what day do humans appear on the scene? Day six. And then what happens? The first thing that happens after we've been created? God gives us our operating instructions and the third, next thing he gives us after that, a day off. God creates us and the first thing he does is gives us a day off. I want that to really impact you. The first thing God gave us to do was to take a day off. We'll come back to that in a second. But first, let's just go back to that. God made man and woman in his image. Now, when we think of the word image, English is not a great language, but the word picture it conjures up usually is mirror, reflection, image. The only problem with that that word picture for us is that decent mirrors weren't invented until about 300 years ago. And polished stone or polished metal or still water doesn't really give a really good reflection. When you start digging into the language, the original language, it gives a completely different word picture. If you look at um, Genesis 2 verse 7, if we jump ahead to it, it tells us how God created us. It says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils and breathed life, and the man became a living being. He fashioned us like a potter with clay. He took the primeval elements of the earth, got his hands dirty, and made us. Who here loves Aardman Annovation? Who here likes Wallace or Gromit or Shaun the Sheep? Yeah, something like that. Do you know the most amazing thing? When they do CGI, that is computer-generated Ardman Annovation, which they do sometimes because of the scene's complication, they put in fake fingerprints. Seriously, they do. Because one of the things about Ardman is you can see the fingerprints where people have formed the plasticine. You can see it on Sean the Sheep. In fact, there's an advert at the moment where Sean the Sheep goes to get shaved because the animators have made it so fingerprinty. Talking about HDTV. So when they do CGI, when they did um, The Curse of the Werewolf, some of that was CGI, they put in fake fingerprints. That's a picture of how God made us. We've got the fingerprint of God over us. The very DNA of God. You think of a child, a two-year-old, a three-year-old. They naturally know what's good and what's not good. They don't need teaching. They need teaching how to act on it, but they don't know. They don't need... It's naturally within them. It's naturally within you to want to be friends. It's naturally within you to want to get on with your fellow man. So God formed us in his image, in his DNA image. Now that's not, theologically that that can be challenged, but I was just trying to give you a sense of, of what it is. We've got the indentation of God on us. Now, when we're connected with God, That indentation is filled by the Holy Spirit. It fits perfectly because it's His fingerprint. Which is why filling it with other things doesn't fill it, doesn't succeed, doesn't absorb. When God, when we meet with God, we become Christians, and the Holy Spirit is allowed to fill us. It fits us. It fits us like an old coat or an old pair of shoes. Anyway, so from chapter 1 to chapter 3 God is creating us in his image and the impression that we're given is that God is wanting us to be close to him wanting us to be with him until Adam and Eve choose to walk away and then they've got this gaping hole and it's the hole that man's been trying to fill ever since the original fall and the whole purpose that Jesus had to come And die for what we call sin. Our alienation, our separation, our choosing not to go God's way. But what was our design specification? To be fruitful. We're supposed to be fruitful. How? By doing stuff. It's what the Bible tells us. One of the first things God says is go and be fruitful. Go and subdue things, go and work things. We're called to be fruitful through work, through doing stuff. Work is a blessing of creation, not a curse of the fall. Work is a blessing of what God wanted us to do, rather than a curse of being human. It's what he designed us for. We're not designed to sit on sofas watching Jeremy Kyle all day. We're designed to be doing things that make us fruitful. We're designed to be doing what God wants us to do. Fruitful is a very interesting word. Because the thing about fruit is you've got to let it grow. And then, for it not to go to waste, You've got to pick it at the right time. And then you've got to process it correctly so that you can get the goodness from it and the seeds from it. It's all about timing, knowing your timing. So, when would you normally harvest fruit? Harvest. Easter? Easter? No. Fruit normally comes sort of in our autumn sort of time, depending on what fruit it is. There's a season for it. We're called to be fruitful. We're designed to work. This is probably good news for some people. If we're designed for work, then it is a fair assumption that we'll be work in heaven. It won't be a one million hour praise party. We'll actually get to do stuff as well. But that's a discussion for another day. So, created on the sixth day to be fruitful, the first thing we've done is a day off. God works and then rests. God wants us to rest and then work. God works into his rest. We're designed to work out of our rest. And it's really important. So important that God, it got in the Ten Commandments. You know, Ten Commandments don't commit adultery, don't steal stuff, um, don't kill people, take a day off. Yeah, I'm not making this up. It's, it, it, it is that blunt. God made the day holy, and we're to give the day to Him. But he deliberately calls us to have a day off. Our design specification is not to work seven days a week. We're actually designed to work out of rest. Yeah? God works into his rest, we work out of it. It's really important that we learn to relax. We learn to hang out with God. You know, so the first experience of Adam and Eve, what is it? Probably something like, they've got this great garden, down by the river, hanging out with God, feet in the stream, chatting to him, because they were that close before the fall. Just hanging out. We're called, we're designed to work, we're designed to work out of rest. We're designed To not be anxious. Because we're rested. Now rest, I am not talking about. (sighs) Though that is part of it. But how do you rest? It's different for all of us. Some people here, I know, their idea of rest is climbing the mountain. That to them is rest. To some people here, it's... I don't know, knitting. To some people here, it's 10 hours on the Xbox. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but uh, um, that's their idea. We'll come back to that in a moment. But who here wants to be more fruitful? I do. You know, I want to be fruitful in the way that God made us. So God's calling us to rest and to be yeah. fruitful. And to rest and to be fruitful, and to rest and to be fruitful, and to rest and to be fruitful. Can you see the shape now? It's a semicircle, And that's what God's calling us today. We work out of our rest to be fruitful. Now, that sounds easy. But again, those of us who drive or have equipment or machinery know that if you don't operate according to the specification according to the driver's manual, you're going to break down. You know, you put diesel in a petrol car, you put petrol in a diesel car, you know, you put the wrong batteries in your iPod, bang. Unless we operate within what the designer specified, we'll have one good fruitfulness and then be burnt out. I know, I've done it umpteen times. And it takes you a long time to recover. So, when we read our Bibles, we discover that God taught and trained His people and kept bringing them back to this principle. Time and time again, He taught them to rest so they could be fruitful. When the Israelites went into the Promised Land, it was called their rest. The Promised Land was to be a place of milk and flowing milk and honey because out of their rest they would be fruitful. When Elijah started his ministry, he came from a place of rest, a place of obscurity. He went in, he gave a promise, and then went out and rested. And God kept him in that place of rest for three years, before bringing him back to be fruitful against the prophets of Baal, and then rested as he went moaning. In the middle of that, he had a couple of little swings, when he was with the widow, with the everlasting flour and the everlasting oil. So, if it's God's pattern, then we can look at Jesus, and Jesus will do it, yeah? So, did Jesus have this uh, pattern? Well, again and again and again in the Bible, we can look at those three years that he was in ministry, and um, you can see that he was there. You look at Mark 1. If we just turn to Mark 1 together. Can't get to it. So Mark is the and next and then and then and then shorthand Bible. It's brilliant. So Mark one, Jesus has begun his ministry by preaching in Galilee near Capernaum. He's called some disciples, he's established a headquarters. And to make it his headquarters, he first needs somewhere to stay. But he needs to to teach the local communities. He needs to minister. He needs to get them on side. So he finds somewhere to stay. He starts to teach in the squares. Now, obviously, he doesn't get people on side, but he does start to to start getting people known. How do you get yourself known? Well, in those days, first thing he does is go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He was already known as a rabbi, as a teacher. So if we jump to verse 21. Then they went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching, and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly all over Galilee. He goes, he creates a stir. He's fruitful. I mean, a demon cropping up in your church service is not something we're used to every day. I would think, yeah, no. You know, someone manifested in the corner going, oh. It's happened a few times. I've been in a couple of places where it's happened, but it's not an everyday occurrence. It caused quite a stir. I mean, what a cool start to your ministry. Get yourself in some notice Heal somebody, get them delivered. You know, just Tim's normal day at the office there. But what happens now? We've just had this massive movement of God. We should be holding crusade meetings. We should be calling out to the people. We should get them into the church and fill them seven nights a week. What does Jesus do? As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever and he he told Jesus about her. So he went and took her hand and helped her up. The fever left her and began to wait on them. And that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and the demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at his door. Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak to them who who knew who he was. The instant reaction is to minister to the people who came to him. When God breaks out, you don't need to go advertising it. People find out very quickly and they come to you. So people are coming to us. So this is the point that we open the doors of the church and we have the big mission and we we get them in seven nights a week and five meetings a night and we really go for it. What does Jesus do? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house... Went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Some and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also, for this is why I've come. He got straight back into the rhythm. He had been fruitful, he went and rested. He rested in God's presence. He hung out with God. He'd gone from fruitfulness to rest. And instead of returning to wherever it was that he had previously been, he rested and asked God, he spent time with God, what is it you want me to do now? Where is it that you want me to go now? How do you want me to proceed now? And then he went and he did that. And he was fruitful. And then he rested. Constantly in Jesus' life, you hear of him. Going across the other side of the sea in a boat, having some time on his own. Disappearing to the lonely places. Withdrawing with just the disciples. Getting away to be just alone with God, to hear from God, to hang out with God. To rest. Again and again and again. He knows his ministry. He knows what God's calling him to do. And he gets in the pattern. I'm going to leave it there for tonight and we'll carry on next time because there's a whole pattern within the semicircle which when you grasp hold of it will blow your mind it's amazing it just talks about going from abiding in God resting to fruitfulness what needs to happen between those two things you need to grow things need to grow before you can harvest them. Before you can harvest, you need to allow it to grow to be fruitful. What do you need to do before you can rest again? Before you can abide? If pity Joyce isn't here, because she'd be shouting out all the answers right now. You've got to prune. you got to cut back. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have created rhythm, you have created life, you have created what our design specification is. Help us to spot your rhythm, help us to get into the pattern that you want us to be in, of sitting and abiding with you, of taking time out, of resting and working out of our rest instead of into our rest. And Father, help us to hear from you what it is that you want us to do, for us to go do that, come back to you, hear what you want us to do, and to go do that. Amen.